Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. For today's episode, we broke down why self-love is the ultimate foundation for creating reciprocal relationships in our lives. We also talked about the importance of nutrition and physical habits on our mental health, how to work through symptoms of anxiety and depression that many of you may be experiencing right now. And we added in a valuable method that those of you who have kids at home might consider implementing as you guide them through this current challenge that we are all facing. So take in a deep breath with us and allow yourself to ease into this moment and press play. So we are in week four of quarantine lifestyle and it was Valentina's birthday two days ago. Week four, depending on wherever you are in this world. Week four for us. For us. Except I low-key feel like I started quarantining before this all started happening. You kind of did. It was my birthday. I turned 27 on Tuesday, April 7th. And it was amazing. I, my thrill, my thrill, my soul thrives in the stillness. So it was everything I could have ever imagined. The wild thing is that she says she wanted to have a retreat, her birthday to have like retreat vibes this year. Little did she know. Yeah, I said I wanted to hold somewhat of a retreat for my friends, for all of us to reflect and to heal. And you know, it kind of happened. So it was amazing. I woke up, had coffee, I wrote, then I spent the rest of the day in nature, and then I came home and KJ cooked dinner for Paula and I and then Paula gave me the most amazing surprise a video of all my friends saying happy birthday to me it was the most beautiful surprise I've ever gotten Aww. it was amazing because birthdays for me in the past have been extremely they've been a sensitive day I really did not like them that that's true for so many people I felt so uncomfortable with them because I don't know for sometimes I remember one birthday like four or five years ago none of my friends said happy birthday it was I don't know it was a very eerie day it was like you were waiting for them to take initiative and nobody did and nobody did that was really disappointing and a few birthdays after that they I don't know they just were always so disappointing to me and it's not even like I had these expectations around them I honestly think that why this year was so different is because I've been doing so much work on myself in terms of self-love and for the video for example that Paula gave me it was 
almost a 20 minute long video of all these little messages from so many people that I love from all different parts of my life. And I was able to really take that in and allow the love to funnel through me. And it's it was very different this year for me because as I've done all of this self-love work, I've been able to really bring my true authenticity out to come back to myself. That's been really reflected in the people that I have around me in my social group who I love with my whole soul. And they all showed up for me this year. And, and I, I wasn't surprised because we're so aligned. So that was a really big lesson for me that self-love really dictates your experience in life, your experience in life and the people that you have around you. When you don't make excuses for the people in your life, when you can really, really see yourself clearly and see others clearly, you know, the ones that you're aligned with will stay. And then the ones that aren't aligned with you being your highest self and them being their their highest self will drift away. Yeah, absolutely. I think when when we're in touch with our own truth, we're just going to want to be around people that also mirror that. You just There's no time for anything else. Yeah. There isn't. Oh. And everything that's out of alignment will just, ju- it really will float away very naturally. That's why that mantra that we learned from Gabby Bernstein recently where, that says, peace starts with me. Peace begins with me. It's so relevant because it does. If you want love, lo- we have to love ourselves. We have to be in, align with our tr- in alignment with our truth, with our needs. And when we honor that above everything else, then we're only going to want people it's only going to feel comfortable and natural to be around people that are on that wavelength this is reminding me of advice that you gave on one of our q a's for women and men who are in abusive relationships one of the questions was how do i was it get out of this abusive relationship or how do I yeah, like what fix would you, this abusive like, relationship? Yeah, like what would I tell to somebody that was in that kind of toxic dynamic? And Paula's advice was, well, first you have to build yourself up. Because then if not, you're not even going to believe that you deserve to leave a situation like that. But if you build yourself up and you just love yourself as a priority, as a responsibility, as literally like your life depends on it, and you're just and you start getting used to receiving kindness in your internal world whenever people come into your life that don't mirror that you're just going to have a much less tolerance for them because it's like oh i don't do that to myself why why would i take that from you versus when we treat ourselves badly and somebody else treats us badly or like we're not even that important then it feels comfortable it's what you know Something that I was reflecting on this year, too, is for a really long time, I was used to loving hard, loving everyone really hard, and I would never get it in return. I realize now that I'm getting it in return because I've created so much love for myself that I'm attracting people who have that love for themselves. So it's like a big love fest, whereas (laughs) before, you know, I've had to literally break off friendships and relationships because the exchange was so one-sided it was me loving 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 and them taking 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 and a big turning point in my life was when I woke up to it why am I accepting this why am I showing up and loving 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 and allowing them to just take 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 you know I was 
funny enough, I was thinking about this earlier. When you're loving, and Alan Watts was talking about this in one of his meditations, he actually used the metaphor of basketball, so that's where it came from. That loving is throwing the ball, kind of like allowing yourself to go out there, right? You, you don't hold on to it, you let it go. That's how the game continues. Then your teammates have to throw it back at you. If you just leave it upon yourself to be the one that's always throwing the love, like that's not even a good basketball game. That's not even, nobody gets an opportunity to play their part. So I think going back to this in relationships, it's, it's important that we value staying connected and close and investing in relationships where the ball's also being thrown back at us. It's really important that we take inventory of all of our relationships and in, if any of them are causing us pain, we take a look at ourselves and say, like, what, what is that pain that is being caused? Do I feel small in this relationship? Well, why do you feel small? Why are you not valuing yourself? Why are you not showing up? And when you start to value yourself and show up, those friendships will disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Or, or they'll get stronger. Or they'll get stronger. It depends. At the end of the day, it's really about asking yourself what role you're playing and paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Because it takes two to tango. And even if, even if we are in an abusive relationship, the role we're playing is, is staying there. And that's not to minimize how challenging at all it is to get into and to leave an abusive relationship. But if you are there, then you can start to play a different role by seeking help, by getting educated, by understanding exactly what's going on. There's always an opportunity for self-empowerment within whatever dynamic that we're in for the most part for the most part I will say I mean there's layers to that statement but for the most part in most relationships it's two people are playing the relationship game and it is important to take inventory of the role that we're playing so yeah. that we can move towards a healthier more self-loving role and that's where I feel this year I feel that I've arrived at my 27th year with so much love and so much peace and it I see that in all of my relationships I am surrounded by a badass crew of lovers. I am thankful. Yeah. I do see that you took more ownership over celebrating your birthday this year than you have in, in years past. How? You just did. <laughs> by you going were, to the park by myself. Yeah. I mean, you were conscious of it. Even before your birthday came around, you were like thinking about like, what do I want to do? How do I want to spend it? What do I want for myself? Oh, that's true. And a lot of times, like I really have seen this be a pattern where how we honor our birthday a lot of times is reflected by the our level of self-esteem because think about it like that's the day that you entered earth <laughs> allowing yourself to engage and being willing to plan a day to honor yourself is a self-esteem type behavior so I'm gonna challenge all of you this year to find a way to honor yourself on your birthday and there's no right or wrong way to do it just See what it's like to lean into that practice. And if you get really uncomfortable doing it, then even pay attention to that. Because that what, what is that telling you? And honoring doesn't mean I'm going to have a blowout party. Honoring literally it can be like me where I wanted to have a very peaceful, chill, reflective day. Yeah. It's being intentional and deciding for yourself what you want and what aligns for you. And not being afraid to think about it ahead of time. So moving on back to the way that psychology of the psychology of our collective has continued to evolve during this COVID-19 situation and the patterns that came to our attention this week. I for me, I've noticed that it's it's becoming it's just becoming more and more 
present that this slower pace at which our society is moving is giving us an opportunity to build mindfulness muscles that we normally just would not have. And even within this current situation, I am seeing the pattern in the clients I work with in my practice, um, which is something that the mind has always done, but it's just, we can't run from it anymore because of the uncertainty of not knowing when this is gonna end. And that pattern is always wanting to plan for the future, wanting to predict how the future is going to be, which is a source of anxiety. And then being regretful of not being fully present because we were so anxious about planning for the future. So we never really fully arrive in this moment. And I do believe that this moment is challenging us to come more deeply into life. And that's a, it can be tricky at first because we're in a society that goals are popular and hustling and always striving for the next thing to get to the next destination, to make the, to make the next dollar amount. Our worth is tied to a future us. Our worth is not tied to being. To touching life deeply in this moment. A practice that I've encouraged um, those that are working with me to start engaging in is to literally find a moment in the day, even just one, starting out with one, where they practice deeply being present in life. So that could be taking a break halfway through your workday to, to step outside while social distancing and look at the grass look at the leaves look at the trees and, and kind of repeat to yourself that this is life because I think right now there's also a tendency to feel like oh life has just been put on pause and maybe in a month or two or for however long this lasts then that's when life will begin again but this doesn't count and that's just a repeat of that same old pattern that life is never right now so I'm encouraging everybody to to challenge that idea that life has been put on pause and instead lean into the reality that it has not this is this counts <laughs> this counts as life this is life right here and all of its raw material so it's about touching it right now and realizing that whatever we might be going through whatever ways we might be trying to cope with what's happening it's really important to think of it as a marathon and not a sprint because if we think of this as a sprint then we're gonna just think like okay I just have to you know work really hard or I have to practice this right now or maybe I'm not gonna have boundaries with work maybe I'm not gonna set off a certain time at which my phone go turn goes on do not disturb mode because I'm only gonna be doing this for a month versus if we I challenge ourselves to think like okay let's pretend let's just say that this is gonna last a year the thing is that this is literally a microcosm of life the only difference is that before this happened we were able to just skate by and put our fears in our back pocket and procrastinate on our healing right now it's just we it's it's we're being faced with it but it's still life yeah it is for me as a therapist if anything I'm, I'm like cheering and jumping up and down because people can't escape can't hide or run away or stay too busy to see the patterns that were always there anyways so 
if anything, this is an opportunity to latch on to the slowness that's coming in so that you can retrain your brain. And it goes back to the practices that we talked about in the last podcast. And something else that came up for me this week that is super important, and I don't think we talk about it enough, is how important our physical habits are on our mental health. So like Valentina and I are both very sensitive. We're both pretty sensitive to the food that we take in. And I barely eat sugar anymore these days. I mean, like I'll have a sip of alcohol every once in a blue moon of anything. And I'm just very aware of not putting these things into my body. And on Valentina's birthday, I eat chocolate cake and ice cream. And since my body was not used to that, I think the next day I just woke up with like the worst allergies and I was literally like knocked on my back yesterday. I don't think we talk enough about how sugar is, it's literally poison because something that I'm seeing a lot in in self-care is like, oh, you know, if you feel like laying on a sofa and eating Doritos all day, like that's okay. You can do that too. And I would greatly challenge that because putting that stuff into my body and not being feeling comfortable in my body the next day made it really hard to stay grounded and present. Sugar is one of the worst things for our immune systems. There's a few different holistic doctors that I've been listening to. And one of the main things besides stress, stress is number one that they say you need to keep at bay for your immune system. The second thing is eliminating sugar. And that's also the first thing that they make cancer patients eliminate because those cells feed on sugar sugar fogs up your brain it's not it's not meant to give it's not meant to heal you it's meant to make you an addict anything that makes you want more of it to that degree is like a drug yeah i mean sugar is a neurotoxin so like you're we're literally poisoning our body so like I I remember this used to always surprise me in grad school. I went to grad school for mental health and the teachers would bring in chocolate and things like that for us during exams. And I I was always like blown away at how, I don't know, prehistoric a practice like that would be because it's, I think, as part of anybody that's trying to maintain their mental health and they realize that they're sensitive, what we put in our body has got to be one of the main orders of business. I mean, I even, I felt it yesterday. I, I couldn't access the same level of depth and insight in myself. I literally just had to let, I, Valentina and I worked on something for a little bit and then I just had to come back home and, and watch Netflix for the rest of the night because I just did not have the energy. I mean, it created like a domino effect in my body just because I'm not used to taking in sugar. So it's like super obvious when I do put something like that in and then I was watching Netflix nonstop, and and then that started to feel like I was numbing my brain so something that I is become is is happening to a lot of people is like symptoms of depression during this time and I will say that depression is a very it's it's an excessive slowing down of our body because we feel ultimately it's almost like you're you feel suppressed and when your body is in a way that you know you just are laying on the couch all day and you're not moving it and you're just numbing out to tv your biochemistry might not even be depressed to begin with but your body and your mind like to be congruent so you'll start to have depressive thoughts when you are moving like a depressed person like even yesterday I was I started to feel down and then I woke up this morning and I'm like, okay, like one day of that is enough. And I'm, I'm back on my, 
on my on my health train because I it's part of taking responsibility for my mental health our health is everything mental health is not just awareness and mindfulness it's how you eat and that is awareness and mindfulness because you're aware of the foods that you're putting into your body you're aware of how they make you feel our society is so used to things that put give us highs like alcohol and sugar and junk food that we don't treasure sustained energy we don't treasure sustained healing and that in itself is a marathon all of these practices they're not something that you can just run to for the for quick escapes it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And after you get used to treating your body kindly by not putting these things in it, you're a lot more sensitive to noticing how it actually does impact you. Totally. I've been very, very, I mean, I, my mom literally says I used to suck on broccoli flower things when I was two years old. So I've been eating healthy for a very long time. Like Paula said, now when I, my body's so sensitive that if I have some sugar, I will immediately feel it. And I still will every now and then, but very little. Yeah, sure we will. But this time around, it was like my body was like, you are not getting away with this. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because of this whole quarantine thing or whatever's going on in the world, but I do feel personally that my own personal challenge is to stay as grounded and conscious during this period of time as possible. And I can immediately feel when I put these different types of substances into my body, how I start to feel disconnected from myself and disconnected from my truth is wild. If you start paying attention, it's a real thing. And I think it's so important for us to talk about this right now because everybody is at home and it could be really easy to fall into the trap of just allowing yourself to lay there. And if it's depression that you're experiencing, laying there nonstop is the last thing you want to do because then your brain is going to start becoming more convinced that you are depressed and it's going to send depressive signals to your body and that becomes a feedback loop. And if it's anxiety that you're experiencing, then you should definitely be moving and not putting these sugars and stuff into your body because anxiety is such a physical energy that allowing yourself to just sit there is almost like giving free reign to your mind to go haywire into obsessive thinking yeah but isn't feeding into just like continuously running around everywhere that's gonna that's gonna heighten your anxiety as well it's a balance i definitely don't think you should be running around everywhere but are you finding moments to move right like exert that energy yeah i'm not i don't work out all day i just went out for a 15 minute run today that's about all i'm gonna do today because yesterday kind of hit me so hard with that allergies and all that stuff but it's still a moment to like get back into my body I've seen people doing all kinds of workouts from home. Like just because you are home and there's no gyms, our bodies are not meant to be static. Our muscles will start to atrophy. Our neurochemistry will start to go haywire. Humans are not built for sitting in one room and not moving. All day because you can still, it's very important to rest and allow your body to rest. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I love resting. She's saying for long periods of time. For long periods of time. Like how can we, if we're going to dive into this mental health conversation, if we're going to be part of this community that is like mental health warriors, then how can we also incorporate movement and the stuff that we put into our bodies into this practice it's not just all emotional intelligence I mean I couldn't even access my emotional intelligence by the end of the day fully because my body was just in distress yeah and your adrenaline was probably like your cortisol levels were probably up yeah because my body wasn't at ease so 
something that came up for me when you were talking about this being a marathon i heard jeff from the burt show forever ago talking about how when he was training for his marathon his trainer taught him that the ways that you sustain the highest levels of endurance is by taking it step by step so when you're going from especially in bigger races like the iron man when you're going from the swimming portion to the biking portion you don't just throw yourself in the chaos and put your biking shoes on and like get all messed up when you're like tying them up you have to literally focus on the step-by-step action that you're taking you're putting on the one shoe first and then you're calmly latching it and when you do that you're able to move in a more efficient way yeah if you're in a marathon and suddenly you start thinking about how in the world you're gonna accomplish the whole entire thing the moment that you start to feel a little bit of fatigue that could easily get overwhelming You just got to focus. We all just have to focus on the very next thing. And that is life. Anyways, before we've always had as a society, we've always had these these markers in time where it's like, no, just just work really hard until you finish until you graduate high school. Like that's when you arrive. And then you fin- you do that. No, 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 no. Now just work really hard until you graduate college. Okay, then I do that. Uh, no 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 no. now just find somebody to marry and then like it'll be good okay then I did that it's like no 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 now make sure that you have enough money in your retirement and 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 focus on working hard to build those savings or I mean whatever it is I'm not saying that timeline applies to everybody but that's like the generic timeline that that has been pervasive and kind of conditioned into our consciousness in our culture and the thing about it is that it's always about this notion of arriving like then you will have arrived then you will have arrived then you will have arrived and now what I love about this situation I don't love how many people are suffering I don't love the deaths that are happening I don't love the toll that is taking on our healthcare workers I don't love any of that but I do love that it is making us come face to face with the reality that life is right now and if we don't embrace that in this opportunity and take this as a challenge to really kind of touch life at its core right this moment and be here and when those thoughts that are trying to predict the future come up can we practice saying I don't know I don't know we never really knew but what would happen if you challenge yourself rather than feeding into the compulsive tendency to predict the future what would happen if instead you could turn around and just say I don't know and like sit in that that's the thing that we've been always running from and to not fear what you don't know to not make it into a monster no I mean that's I think that's why we run from it because we think that the unknown is a monster in reality the unknown can go either way if we stay conscious for each step that we take life unfolds in a way that is much more intentional anyways but we don't know this goes back to if we don't know then can I just really love this moment that's the only thing that's real all I know is that I'm sitting here in this room with Valentina right now and I have plans for what I'm probably gonna do tomorrow but I don't know I I have no way to fully with all certainty know that that is going to actually take place and again, I'm going to bring it back to the conversation on death because I could go to sleep tonight and not wake up. I don't know 
we have this idea that it's all promised and it's not so how can i come into this moment if i don't know how long this quarantine is going to last then how can i make sure that i maintain my sanity every single day if we think it's going to last a month there's that level of tension and of wanting to like speed through it that i might not even be intentional about what i'm putting into my body i may not even be intentional about the boundaries that i set with my workplace i may not be intentional about any of these things but if i kind of like sit with the possibility that this could last for a year i'm not saying it's going to guys i have no access to that kind of information yes she does she's (laughs) lying she's in the government little did you know (laughs) then I can think about, okay, like, am, it, it, is what I'm doing today sustainable if I'm thinking about this for, that this is going to last for a year? And if the answer is no, then challenge what you're doing. So that's great. I'm going to do that. Yeah. It's all about sustainability, man. Sustainability above everything. And when you were talking about timelines, I just had this image in my mind of, I've read so many articles where they interview people who are about to die. And they're nursing homes. And the main thing that they say is, I wish that I had spent more time with my family. I wish that I had enjoyed the those picnics a little more. I wish that I had felt the air outside. I wish it's never about money. And then you also hear Jim Carrey who says, I wish everyone would become rich and famous to know it's not what they want. And then you hear so many people who are millionaires and billionaires and they have no inner peace. So it's not about that. You know why? Because a lot of times, I'm not going to say for everybody, but a lot of times when you are the kind of person that accomplishes that level of economic and fin- financial just affluence. You did it through like goal setting and moving and achieving and, and having that future oriented mindset. So that when you arrive, you're so conditioned and you're so in the habit of always looking for the next thing that you actually, your brain is wired into not knowing how to enjoy the moment. Right. What now? Yeah. So you arrive with that habit already in place. We can use this time to retrain those habits and realize we don't know and to understand that the only thing that will make us feel truly fulfilled is having inner peace and inner peace is not going to come from status or money or a destination inner peace is going to come from present moment awareness from challenging those mental habits and anxiety driven compulsions to predict what the future is going to look like and I've mentioned this in other podcasts and in videos that we've done but because we do have a brain that is wired for survival we're just going to believe a negative outcome anyways much more quickly than we will a positive one and so we feel more certainty in that so most people when they future plan it's not like oh I'm so excited for people that have intentionally done their work and practice opening up their heart and like sitting in joy will do that but for the majority people like are worried about okay what if it's not gonna work what if you know all of that's gonna fall apart like oh this is definitely not gonna come through for me we don't know that so once again your mind is just trying to cope with uncertainty and anxiety which is what causes anxiety by predicting a negative outcome that can be certain of even if that outcome is going to bring you more anxiety it's still a compulsion that you somehow inadvertently think is going to actually bring down your anxiety and it's not i was recently listening to a podcast with shaman dirk and panache desai panache desai is a spiritual teacher and he was talking about how you the road to inner peace there's five things he talks about and one of them is believing in infinite possibilities And that's the same thing as uncertainty, right? There's infinite possibilities out there. And that was really peaceful for me hearing that. 
because when you believe that there are infinite possibilities, I mean, anything could happen. Anything could happen. And the truth is, there are infinite possibilities. We just live in a society, society that loves these binary constructs that tells us it's like this or that, black or white. We're either good or we're bad. But we don't talk about other realms and dimensions and aliens and whatever on a daily basis. But that's really what's out there. Yeah, actually... I was listening to Alan Watts talk about how the information that we bring in through our senses is actually way less than the full range of information that we could be bringing in. I mean, if we've created devices and machines to actually capture more energies like UV rays and things of that nature, but we can't actually perceive those with our eyes or our senses. So all that stuff is definitely going on. And I could see how it's challenging for people that struggle with anxiety or depression to lean into the infinite possibilities narrative. For you at this point, it's liberating because of where you are. For me, it's liberating because of the work that, what everything that we have already gone through. But just to speak to what I could see being an obstacle for that is that going back to like your brain, if you're kind of in the practice of anxiety is going to think that like the infinite possibility that are possible are probably going to be negative and to that I would just say if that is something that came up for you is to bring in understanding of what your brain is doing which I think is super helpful for bypassing these instincts which is my brain is going to the worst case scenario to get some semblance of certainty And so when you know that your brain is just doing that to try to cope with the stress, that creates a little bit of space between what your brain is doing and the reality of the situation. And so if you can have that little bit of space and you can say, okay, like maybe there are possible like infinite possibilities that are very positive for me and my brain might just be resistant to leaning into that because it doesn't want to sit with the uncertainty and that's okay. And then if like what you struggle with is depression, which is like, Often it's usually coupled with like low self-worth, hopelessness for the future and just that kind of like dull, like lull in energy that is just hopeless. Then you somebody tells you, okay, there are infinite possibilities, which there are. And you might just you don't want to open up your mind to it because something with depression is that depression becomes habitual. It does like depression is hard to challenge because the behaviors that will challenge it are the same behaviors that depression tells us to stay away from. So if if we're depressed, we probably just want to like isolate and not move our body and just kind of like give in to that energy. Oh yeah. It kind of messes with your intuition on how you should handle it. Yeah. It tells you everything that it tells you to do is the exact opposite of what you need to do to come out of it. So it depression although you might not you might not expect it depression can also become a comfort zone because it's I'm just comfortable here if I think about leaving this place and putting myself out there there's vulnerability in that it takes me back to that metaphor of like the seed and the flower where if you're in a seed you're in a hard shell you're closed up you know the seed when it's underground it's it's protected it might not be seeing any sunlight it might not be getting to experience the rain or the oxygen or the birds singing or any of that but it but nothing can really hurt it it's in its shell 
and then but the seed will never know what it's like to be a flower and how freeing that is so when it comes to depression it's just knowing that depression likes to trick our mind into continuing to nurture it anxiety does the same thing but they just do it in different ways and if you move step by step and move your body and listen to spiritual uh or um yeah spiritual teachers or self-growth leaders talk about ways that they came out of it that can start to also give you some hope for okay I can like move through this little by little and just know that it's going to be uncomfortable because depression does become a comfort zone and so maybe even look out for that tendency maybe even get curious and look out like ooh, is there any part of me that actually wants to stay here people talk about this all the time that like they end up forming like a relationship with their depression it's like that darkness. It's like why sometimes if you're sad, you just want to listen to like sad, dark songs. And look out a window while a single tear rolls down your cheek. Yeah, <laughs> or just be in the dark. Or like there's something about like no matter how energetically depleting that state of being actually is, it can feel really uncomfortable to start stepping out of it. So I think with that, it's also recognizing like what parts of me are enjoying this which is something we never really ask ourselves. Or maybe if you can't even see it as what parts of me are enjoying this because you generally don't believe that you are in your conscious mind, maybe ask yourself what parts of me are afraid to leave this. Yeah, that's actually a good reframe. Because if we start hoping, thinking that there's infinite possibilities for the future, you know what comes along with that is vulnerability. Yeah. Because you got to put yourself out there. You got to let yourself get excited about something. And I don't, I could, if I had a penny for how many times I've heard this, <laughs> that allowing your, allowing ourselves to believe that something could work out for us is extremely terrifying because then that means that you're putting yourself at risk for the possibility of disappointment. So what I'm going to do instead to protect myself is just not think that things will work out. And really then life just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of things not working out. There's a reframe that I heard a while back ago that really stuck with me. This person would wake up every morning and they started their day by saying, I wonder what adventure awaits for me today. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking like that's really powerful and we have to start making the conscious decision to think like that in the face of anxiety because that's how you start to retrain your brain on what to do and how to engage with life and at the same time if you are still like in the midst of anxiety and you tell yourself that you can easily catch your brain thinking like "Mm -hmm, there's all kinds of adventures that are waiting me. Yeah, I might get fired. I could do that. I could do that other thing. And again, if that's what happens for you when you try to implement some of these more positive thinking strategies, then don't try to run from those negative thoughts, but look at them. Look at them. Okay. All right. Fine. Anxiety. I'm going to lose my job. Then what's going to happen? Okay. Then what's going to happen? Yeah. Walk them through downward arrow. There's an exercise that Paula does with her clients and that she's taught me. Yeah, which is is literally just that. It's Mm -hmm. we have these negative thoughts and we think, no, what adventure awaits me today? And like, if you feel that and you can feel that in your heart, you can feel that in your body, then it's beautiful. But if you feel like it's like you're kind of like trying to just pressure yourself to think that way by suppressing the other thoughts, then that's not going to work. 
Um, anytime you try to suppress your thoughts, it's not going to work. Alan Watts in the record, same recording I was listening to, he used the metaphor of when you try to suppress your thoughts or like block them out or not think something that pretty much has the same effect as trying to smooth out rough waters with a flat iron. It's going to like add more pressure and stress to the situation. So instead, don't be afraid of them. Look at them. Okay. So I'm going to say what adventure awaits me today and just see what your mind brings up. And if it brings up a lot of challenging, debilitating thoughts, then look at them. Okay. So you're going to lose your job today. Like everything is just going to break down. Okay. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at that. Okay. So that happens. Then what happens? Okay. And then what happens? And then what happens? And if it's all doom and gloom at the end of that train of thought, that's when you can challenge yourself and say, okay, is there, are there any other possibilities? Or you might, in following that line of thinking, reach a point where you realize like, you know what, even if that happens, I can still handle it. And then also maybe remind yourself of situations that you have survived before and how much of like a survivor there is in you because Although survival mode is something that we don't want to perpetually stay in, the fact that we do have that capacity can actually also be viewed as a strength, especially during times of crisis or during times of the unknown. It's giving yourself credit for really challenging experience that you've overcome and reminding yourself, reminding yourself like, why am I, why do I think that I wouldn't be able to handle this if I've already overcome this and that and that and kind of taking stock and inventory of all the challenges that you have successfully rose up to face historically throughout your life and giving yourself credit for how resilient you actually are is another really powerful source of um, reframing that anxious thinking. And then also to not forget all the children and kiddos that you guys might be at home with or you know other parents. Something I've seen also is parents struggling to explain this to their kids in a way that's not terrorizing to them or traumatizing to them and at the same time not really having all the answers to really tell their kids exactly what is going on or when it's gonna be over. And when it comes to that, this could actually be a really powerful opportunity to model for children that it is okay to not have all the answers and that it's not the end of the world and that we just we don't know right now again back to the I don't know I don't know and that's okay and we're here together right now and we're just gonna play this game right now and so if kids can see us standing confidently in the I don't know they'll start to associate more safety with that unknown space, which is actually gonna give them a major advantage as they get older, much more of an advantage than if you think providing them with all the perfect answers is gonna give them, because that could actually, what that does too is we're, we're passing on the same addiction to needing to have all the answers onto the kids versus saying like, you know what, I don't know. None of us know, and, and that's okay. Like, we're okay right now. Let's just, let's just be here, let's dance. Let's look at the birdies. And with that, if you guys have any specific fears or anxieties or anything that comes up during this time, we always say if you're feeling it, chances are our other listeners are feeling it as well. And if you feel comfortable with letting us know, DM us or drop us some information in the contact us portion of our website we would love to support you during that time and support the rest of our listeners during this time. 
with that, make sure you tune in to our next episode on Monday at 8 a.m. EST. Yes, yes. And be kind to yourselves. We love you guys. Peace out. Bye.